This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to the Principal Purpose Podcast with your host, principal and certified life coach, Lynn Harden. This podcast empowers you to become not just a great principal, but the principal everyone loves. The role is more than administration. It's about trust, relationships, and creating spaces where every child thrives. Here, we chat with experts, unveiling strategies, actionable steps and stories guiding you to excellence. Remember, every child deserves a chance to learn, and you shape that future. Ready to be a principal everyone loves? Let's dive in. I am so excited to introduce our guest for today, this is Danny Bauer, and he is a principal development and retention expert, also a two-time best-selling author and host of B2, not one, two of the world's most downloadable podcast. And his mission is to build better leaders for our schools. He says, quote, I help school leaders fight isolation and frustration via a leadership community. And he does this in order for them to gain clarity and find solutions to their greatest challenges. So I know, Danny, that on the principal purpose that our school leaders and educators and future leaders will be very excited to hear what you have to say because this is your biz. So welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Brilliant. Thanks, Lynn. It's uh, really an honor to be here. So thanks for the invite. You're welcome. You're welcome. I was always known as a principal who had weird, not weird, or different kind of teacher interviews because I like to get to know the person. I'm going to start it with something personal. What is your favorite childhood memory? Favorite childhood memory. There's been a lot of childhood memories, so favorites. Give me a second to process. I don't know if, I don't know if it's favorite, but one that's coming to mind. And it's not like I'm really, like, there's people that do, like, sort of, what they call it cosplay and dress up and that kind of stuff. And I, I do love comic books, right? And I've been to comic book conventions. I've never dressed up for one. Maybe I should, right? I remember going to a Renaissance fair with my, my family, my mom and my sister. And my mom bought me a wooden um, sword and shield, right? And the shield had, you know, an emblem of like a lion or something. It was really like strong and that kind of thing. And I just felt like super cool, right? Having that stuff. I have a younger sister, Carolyn, and I love her very much. And she got to be my horse as I was growing up. So, but we, you know, we would play that kind of stuff. So that's something that I'm thinking about right now in, in, in that, you know, just childhood fun that we had. So that, that was a good memory. Good time. That's beautiful. And you're still doing the same thing. You're still a hero with your shield and your sword creating a better future for our children by creating better leaders. And now you're just doing it as a grown man. So thank you. That's, that's beautiful. 
tell us a little bit about and what you do and in helping school leaders, this business venture that you're in. What what is something that you didn't expect? Well, quite honestly, I didn't see I didn't see what I'd be doing, you know, as what I'm doing. And so mm-hmm. I knew I was going to start a podcast at the time of uh, a friend of mine introduced me to another show. Back in the day, I listened to NPR and, you know, like science stuff or whatever news and that kind of thing. But I hadn't listened to sort of other niche down shows. And this person introduced me to one called uh, Entrepreneur on Fire. It was the host, still is the host, and it's a very successful podcast. And basically every day, it's a daily show, which is just absolutely bonkers to me because that takes a lot of work right but he's into a new a new uh entrepreneur and picking their brain about success and failure right and i found that to be super inspirational one in terms of john lee dumas wanting to do something else with his life and take control of it right he was he was in a position uh that he wasn't loving right and knew, knew there was something more for him that wasn't my story. I love being an educator. I love being an administrator. But I did like the idea of like, well, what else can I do, right? And then the other the other thing, and I've always been this way. I go to a conference or I listen to a podcast. I, well, I think, well, why not me, right? Like I could do something like that. And if I'm thinking that, then maybe I should try it out, right? And so I figured, well, are there shows for school leaders? At the time, there really wasn't that many shows out there. And you know, humbly, I thought I could put some out there that might be better or at least well received. And so I figured, hey, let me talk to the Lynn Hardens of the world, learn from their stories of success and failure and, and make that my thing. What I didn't know is that people would start seeing me as an expert and then start asking for help. And all of a sudden, there was a passion project on nights and weekends supporting colleagues in our industry. And mm-hmm. then there was an opportunity just to explore it full time. So I became this full-time principal development retention expert and either through one-on-one or through like a group, you know, environment, which is the Ruckus Maker Mastermind, we support school leaders. There's been some programs here and there, you know, in between, but, you know, the sort of meta idea for, for your listener is, you know, focus, right? And so instead of having a billion programs for leaders to support them, Really, the Ruckus Maker Mastermind is our flagship thing and what serves school leaders best. And so instead of creating new stuff, I just stay in that lane and let that thrive. That is brilliant. Staying in your lane is a great suggestion to any leader and any entrepreneur. But not everyone on my podcast is familiar with the phrase Ruckus Maker and uh, with your flagship Ruckus Maker mastermind. So tell me a little bit about where the, I mean, I know you, so I totally get the ruckus maker where that came from. So tell me a little bit how you came up with the name, where it came from. Yeah. You know, there's a book called Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. I I came up with ruckus maker before reading the book, but it's a good context to start the story. And it's not, don't plagiarize, like that's wrong. But if you see stuff out in the world and you can remix it almost like hip hop, right? Or give credit where credit's due and, and build on top of ideas. That's a, that's a good thing. Also, I really appreciate some people very much in my life, right? One of those being Seth Godin. And I've read like 
basically all his books. I've taken many of his online courses, was a student in his Alt-MBA, became a coach for the Alt-MBA. And he's somebody who's really, you know, shaped my thinking. He often says, go make a ruckus or keep making ruckus, something like that. I'm like, oh, you know, ruckus makers like that. I totally am aligned with that. Mm -hmm. And I want schools mm -hmm. to evolve. And so that's going to be our flag. So to me, there's a definition and there's three commitments. One, you commit to investing in your continuous growth, right? So you can't, you can't be getting better, you know, if you're not consistently putting yourself in a position to learn new things and grow. Two, you challenge the status quo. And we had a lovely conversation where you talked about somebody, you know, in your lineage and ancestors that challenged the status quo. That was an inequitable experience, right? So when you see things and traditions that aren't serving everyone, like question, we don't have to do it just because it's always been done that way. Challenging the status quo mm -hmm. is one way to, to get better. And then the third commitment is just designing the future of school, right? So I don't like people saying that education is broken. I don't think that's true, but I do think it's true that education can evolve. And, you know, the, the biggest, the biggest criticism, I, I would assert that the biggest criticism of education is like the factory model. We've all heard that. Okay. So what, what's the, I'm a solution guy, right? So don't critique unless you come with an idea. And so that's why the third part of being a ruckus maker is actually designing the future. Oh, I, I love that. And it is, well, I don't know if it's a dark time, but it is a different time in education. Right? Sure I agree is different. With broken. There's so many <laughs> talented people out there yeah. still in the game, in the arena. And, um, but I do see a transformation coming. I absolutely mm -hmm. do. And that is, I used to do that as a principal when somebody came to me to complain, oh, this is broken. This is no good. Yeah. We can't do this anyway anymore. My, right. my favorite suggestion would be to make them the head of the focus committee that would come up with a solution. Yeah. Yeah. Or, the, or that For is. For sure. You yeah. can't. I mean, I would have solutions, but it may not. One, it's a boundary because you can't, as a principal, you can't do everything for everyone. And two, you need more voices. You need many voices to come up with, with a good solution. So and it, my, I think my teacher stopped coming to me with minimal complaint because, you know, I would, they'd end up on a committee. But I, I still think that's good leadership. So what is the, what is the most important lesson that you have learned over your career as an educator and now an entrepreneur and a coach and a creator of a course and the leader of the ruckus, make, ruckus makers? The most important lesson. Uh -huh. It's kind of, kind of a two-parter. I'm going to sneak in two. One would, you know, they say people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So that's just period. Like people need to know that you, you care about them. So if we agree that that's important, then the second piece, I think, is just like the consistency, you know? So you continue to show up, you're consistent in where and when you show up, and that's, that helps build trust, right? Without those things, mm -hmm. like nobody's going to listen to you, right? If I started the show back when I did, September of 2015, said it's going to be a weekly show dropping every new episode on Wednesdays, and then I did that for six weeks, didn't show up for another six, you know? We wouldn't be here talking as a host of two of the world's most downloaded podcasts, but right time, you know, very lucky. 
and was consistent. People could hear the passion and that I cared about their success. And so I think that really, you know, catapulted at least the BLBS brand to and, and the other thing is like, it doesn't have to be for every school leader. There's 91,000 school principals, right? In America mm -hmm. and in Canada. Well, I'm not, you know, the cup of tea for, for every school leader, but for people who identify as a ruckus maker, you know, they enjoy the show. And so I just keep showing up for them. Uh, well, I love your show. So, and I would definitely identify as a um, ruckus maker. And I would say through my entire career, I've always challenged the status quo. In a, um, in, a, in a respectful way, not to the point where you ever lose your job. You've got to know where the line is. Sure, so, of course. Absolutely. Um, there's nothing wrong with asking questions and beginning to push back a little. So having said that, I'm just really curious because I believe in failure. I'm such mm -hmm. a fan of falling on your rear or getting dropped mm -hmm. to your knees and and then what comes out of it. And I think many principals or educators or humans are afraid of failure and don't see the value in it, that it is amazing yeah. data on what to do next, what to tweak, what's the solution. But I'm dying to know, this is just you and I, nobody else is listening. What was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Biggest failure, I, I mean, I think... One of them is, is, you know, just a, a soured relationship with a supervisor, you know, when I was principal of a middle school in Houston. And it just was such an unfortunate and difficult and uncomfortable situation. And, and things for me changed overnight where our, mm -hmm. I was hearing, you know, like so much praise Everything seemed to be in alignment when we would visit classrooms and talk about what feedback would you give a teacher and this kind of stuff. Everything was going great. And then, and then at the, like basically the end of October, getting into November, uh, Thanksgiving, that kind of stuff. All of a sudden there was like all these concerns supposedly about my relationship, right? Or excuse me, about my leadership. Uh -huh. And that seemed to come out of, you know, I couldn't, I didn't see that coming right? It totally blindsided me. And then it just became a very contentious relationship. So it was a failure because I, I ended up resigning from that school, right? I resigned really early. Nobody knew, you know what I mean? I didn't announce it until the spring. I resigned before leaving for a winter break, you know, for Christmas. And I, I still remember to this day, the supervisor laughing, and saying, no, I didn't think you would do it so soon, right? So I know she was. I was being for you. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, but the, I see that, I say that as a failure because I've, I've thrived in every setting I've been in, you know, I've, I've never been, I've never been written up to that point. You know, I'm, I've just not, not been like disciplined professionally and I've always thrived department mm -hmm. head, you know, just leading all the stuff. And so that I took it personally. I started to play smaller. I withdrew. You know, I shrunk, right? Yeah. Um, if we're and normal, I was just, you know, was, very normal to do that. Yeah, maybe normal, but you know, that was a, that was a failure for me. And I think uh, taking it too personally and that kind of stuff, right? And, and, and it used to bother me for probably, I would say, two years 
afterwards there was residue mm-hmm. and I was able to, sh- I was able to shake that and not look back. Now I'm at a place Lynn, that I could be thankful. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what did it teach me? It, it taught me to, you know, I'm, I'm a leader who is very open and I want to continue to be open, but you also have to be wise about like who's around you and stuff. And I didn't, I didn't have that skill set yet. You know, I don't know if that's making sense. So a little, a little more wise in terms of just observing who's around me and, and their character and that kind of thing. One, and yeah, two, you know, just getting support, place, you know, place, community that will encourage, empower, so that you don't shrink, that you don't play small, you know, and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's too bad. But the, the gift of it, like the irony of it all is like, if I had been successful there, I never would have left. Better Leaders, Better Schools probably would have turned into what it was because it would still just be a passion project on the nights and weekends. And uh-huh. now I have gratitude because that hard experience made it very easy to say, I'm going all in on this. And uh-huh. now it's kind of funny to me that, you know, a guy who had a hell of a time right in his in that principal position is able to legit work with leaders and produce world-class results i've stopped counting mm-hmm. how many principals have become principal of the year you know mm-hmm. blue ribbon school like they literally can't win any more awards and that's because of a relationship that we had you know they had to do the work but i created conditions in the space where they could thrive and so that's just like super funny to me. So I enjoy that. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> lesson from that because yeah. what I what I hear from that lesson that supervisor taught you that how important that relationship is in order to thrive. Mm-hmm. And that if you don't have that or somebody that you can trust and they trust you and it's very difficult to be your best. It's very difficult to be authentic. And I always like to say, what is the phrase that life's rejection is God's protection? That mm-hmm. uh, that there was no accident that you were, were pushed, not pushed out, but that you ha- were in that kind of situation where right. you're going to be forced to leave because it just wasn't your values. It wasn't who you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like I said, I have so much gratitude for that happening happening and i don't wish any ill will on any of those folks oh, here no. so I, I painful don't... at the time it's very painful it, at the time it, it hurt it hurt at the time and uh, and whatever I've, I've grown as a result so like i said I'm, I'm really thankful for being challenged in that way these days yeah, absolutely and it gives you probably empathy i know that you are working with principals that take it personally because that's oh, yeah, yeah. most copied of the name we do in the beginning it's very natural yeah. And so you have a great story. You have a great connection. Our, our our biggest failures will be our best story and our greatest help to others. That's how that's mm-hmm. how I like to see it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's come true for you. I know that you've coached a principal. You're taking it personally. It's not personal. It's because ne- it's never personal. It's mm-hmm. never personal. So, but it's so so human and easy to do that. If you were to write a book tomorrow, because you are a best-selling author, not once, but twice, what would you write about? 
Well, the fifth book, the fourth book is already in production. That one's going to be on vision, how to write your three-year vision for your school. Fifth book we're, we're writing right now, and that one's on sort of Stoic philosophy and how that applies to education. So, you know, that's, that's currently what I'm writing. But if it's more of a question like, what would you write, you know, if you weren't working on something? Yeah, like, um, yeah. I, I do have a couple goals. Like one, I want to write a book that's just for uh, members of our leadership community. And mm -hmm. I want to do a big book launch and all the stuff, but you can't get it unless you're in the community. So I want to write basically like a love letter for them. You know what I mean? So something that's super practical, tools, school leaders will get results, but it's only for my ruckus makers. The other thing is I've always been a big fan of poetry. And I don't know what that would look like, but I, I would like to write e either a book of poetry or, and, or like a kid's book someday. You know, I was a sixth grade reading teacher. I was a, a reading and a writing teacher, you know, in literature, whatever, in English, excuse me, in high school. So a fiction, a fictional book would be fun too. Yeah, I love it. Well, I'm going to keep my eye out for it. How about that? Because you've Sounds said it. Now it's in the universe. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've written it down too. So I think it's not about, yeah, it's just a matter of one. For yeah. Sure. Uh, we taught you and I both are very passionate about self-care and being, showing up as our best for our work and our family. We know that if we, if we don't have a full tank, we're running on empty, we have nothing to give. And it may not be, but I'm just curious. For me, it starts in with a morning routine. Do you have a morning routine to start your day as your as your best? And what does it look like? Yeah, uh, for me, it's really honestly like hit hit in the hit in the gym. You know, so I go uh, like four to five times a week. You know, four times I'm gonna lift weights, and then my fifth workout during the week is uh, a nice long hike somewhere you know, water, there's waterfalls an hour from Syracuse here in like Ithaca and the Finger Lakes region of central New York. Mm. Uh, the Adirondack mountains are only three hours away. So I love, um, going on hikes. So that's, that's a big part of the morning is like doing that hard stuff first and you feel accomplished and that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I journal, I meditate, you know, that, that kind of stuff is really important as well. And so, and even like thinking of acts of service, you know, for, for my family and doing things that I think my wife will appreciate that she hasn't asked for is often something that I try to do before, like really plugging into work because those are just mm -hmm. like, like sort of bigger wins. You know, the business wins are important and I love when my leaders experience something that they're proud of the progress, but when I could get something, you know, personally done for the family. Those are, those are huge wins for me. Mm, that's beautiful. What, what is your favorite productivity hack for your leaders or for principals? Uh, I think, on, you know, for me, favorite productivity hack, I would say it would, it would be really just like having the one big thing that you want to accomplish, you know? And so, like, I've identified for me, you know, we were talking about planners when you were on my show. I only wrote down three crucial results that I want to accomplish this week, right? And, you know, the modern school leader is trying to accomplish 
300 things a week. Mm-hmm. It's a recipe for feeling like garbage, feeling like uh-huh. a loser. And the more on your list, just the more mediocre you're going to be in terms of performance. And so the smaller your list of what really is truly, you know, and you got to get clear at what creates the most value for your campus and your community. But I keep a small list and I've just learned to become comfortable that everything's not going to get on, get done. And so I, I'm starting to have fewer and fewer goals. I just started a book, so I can't like really talk about it too, too much. I think it's called 4,000 Weeks or something like that. It's, it has to do with time management for mortals. That might be the subtitle. I don't even remember the author's name. I'm like I said, only a chapter in, but he, he really provocative. And I can see why the book is, is done so well. You know, when we think of productivity and we think of time, it's like this thing, the master, a tool to be used. And he's like, that's pretty much a modern invention. You know, up until a certain point, humans just got up with the sun, went to bed when the sun went down. And there wasn't like this efficiency and maximizing and like all this stuff. And, you know, I'm really into meditation and mindfulness, being present, being in the moment, done seven day silent retreats. I'm in a two year, you know, certification program to teach mindfulness and meditation to leaders. And his, his idea was like, well, what if you just like stop seeing time as a tool, right? As this idea that you can master and just understand time's a thing, like, and you just, your life is just going. So stop trying, stop trying to control it and maybe just be there for it. How would that change how you approach work? And so, again, getting really clear on what matters and what doesn't. And you also wouldn't try to accomplish 5 million things because we're all going to expire one day. We're not going to have read all the books, traveled to all the places. There's going to be a lot on the list. Or you can just do what you do and be happy for what you get to do. Thank you. You're talking about being more of a beer than a doer. And uh, very easy. And I think we get trained that way, at least in the credentialing programs. I went and I've been, I'm a trained um, leadership coach here in California. So I help principals in their credential. Mindfulness and intention is not discussed. It is all about that um, left brain efficiency and activity and how much can you get done in this short of time. And yeah, because at your funeral, everyone's going to throw a big party because you got a, a two. Lynn got 2,000 things done in her life. Like, oh, we are so pleased to be here. Like, this no, was just, yeah. wow, Lynn, way to go. You did it. You really did it. I, I, <laughs> I, my favorite thing, I used to tell teachers that we're overworking, which is yeah. actually a symptom of something else. But I would, sure. teachers that were overworking or principals that I was coaching that were overworking is I would say to them, they will never name a school after you. Yeah, you know? those direct, when, like, and you're not saying it to be mean, but it's like a wake up call. What are you working, yeah. you know? And it's not to say don't work hard. It's to be realistic yeah. about what, you, yeah. what you're given. Just so, I mean, I could, we, could, we could go all day about this. But the other thing about, you know, mindfulness and the investigation of what's going on, seeing, like, again, we mentioned it on the show that you were my guest. We all have stories. Those stories, you know, influence us and drive emotions and the actions and the results. And if, if you don't have, if you don't have the ability to sit with yourself, right, 
to investigate what's going on. And is that real? like the story is not, not you. You are not anger. You are not happiness. Those emotions, those aren't you either. And you have to be able to see that. The other thing, the other thing too, is just like, you know, just being, being comfortable, letting, like letting go and being, you know, so we're kind of coming back to some of the same stuff, but you see that these, your mind is so crazy. The stories like, just like, just are flowing like nuts. You know what I mean? And so once you, what, yeah, once you're able to see that, it's like, okay, maybe I don't get so attached to those stories. And therefore, you know, probably a little bit happier with my experience and stuff too. I can't remember where I heard from, but that our stories or our thoughts are just like, if you look up in the sky, the stories we tell ourselves, which are thoughts or stories, are just birds in the sky. You know, look at them, you look up there and you see them and you notice them and you have a choice of what you do. I mean, you can get in your car and you can chase those birds down and you can right. run over anyone in your way and try and find, you know, to run after it. Or you can just see them as neutral and just notice like, oh my gosh, there's, there's birds in the sky, yeah. you know, and just let them fly by. You don't. And the other one I heard is mindfulness is sitting or for me, meditation is sitting on the highway and my thoughts or cars going by. I'm not trying to stop thinking. I'm not trying to stop traffic. I just don't yeah. walk into the traffic or yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. get in one of the cars and speed down the highway. I just yeah. stay present and we notice there's no way to stop the stories or stop the thinking. And no, yeah. Maybe when we transition, that happens, but I don't know. But yeah. just noting them, just noting yeah. what your thought is, noting what your feeling is, is a powerful tool, I think, for students also, for teachers, for and certainly for, for school leaders. So we're kind of coming down. My podcast is a little bit, a little bit shorter. But I wanted to ask you, what, in your opinion, because you're in the arena, what is the biggest challenge that school leaders and principals are facing right now? Well, certainly the, you know, just re retention, right? I mean, whether it's like retaining, attracting and retaining a faculty, having a full staff, right? Or a system in terms of their principal pipeline. And having, you know, high quality leaders, that's a huge, that's a huge problem. So, you know, that might be the greatest one. We could talk about other stuff like the political nature or AI and what do we do with all that stuff. But none of it matters unless you have, you know, good quality people within yeah. the building. So I would, I would look at retention first. Yeah. My, my solution for education is simple. Good teachers. That's all I need. Yeah. Like I ever needed. Right. So how are you? And we'll. I have one more question after this. How are you tackling it? In terms of retention? Well, that's why, you know, I frame myself as a development retention expert because the leaders that I support, they're all still in the game. They're thriving, right? And what I'm trying to say to districts too, and, and, and individual school leaders, to individual school leaders, you can thrive within your position and not hate your life, you know? People get into it. They want to have a bigger impact and that kind of thing. But, you know, I had a client who told me I'm a better, I'm a better mom to my students than to my own kids. Mm. Her heart was breaking in yeah. front of me. And, I, you know, we were tearing up as she said that, well, is that what you want? Let's change it. How can we 
And I can, you know, proudly say that that's no longer the case. She's a great mom to, to all, all kids. So yeah, that's, that's something. Was there a second part of the question? I'm sorry, I forgot. Oh, no, it's okay. there. There's no, I like the free flow of we're having a conversation. You and I are really okay. just at a cafe, having a cup of tea. We're not really on zoom. We're just shooting the breeze. I like to ask at the end because the, the title of my podcast is the principal purpose. And I do, one of my taglines is I do help leaders become the principal everybody loves. And I'm not talking about codependency. I'm not talking about no boundaries. I'm not talking about being an enabler, but they, they made a difference in that moment in their lives. So that is one purpose. I would love to hear what your life purpose is. Well, right now it's at least to to connect, grow, and mentor, right? Every school leader, right? That's something I'm very focused on professionally. But, you know, I think broadly in any space I'm in, I call myself a curiosity catalyst. And so just really trying to open people's minds and help positive change accelerate a little bit faster, you know, in whatever environment I found my, find myself. So that's something. And I, I think like the higher, higher level, you're getting into the mindfulness and meditation piece is just the, the importance of love, you know? So if I could just be love, right. In every space as well, you know, that's literally the only thing that matters. So yeah. we'll stop. There. What a great you space know? to lead from. So if we've got some principals listening who maybe are not in the space of love that are leading their, yeah. how do they find you? How do they find your program? Please tell us, give us a little bit of a commercial about you. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, so free support the podcast, right? It ranks in the top 0.5% of all shows worldwide. So check out Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast or the School Leadership Series. Those are my two shows that empower ruckus makers. I mean, the website, betterleadersbetterschools.com. So a lot of free resources there too. One I'm going to point people toward is called the uh, School Leadership Scorecard. It's totally mm -hmm. free. So betterleadersbetterschools.com slash scorecard. And on there, It'll be like a rubric, right? That educators are pretty familiar with. And there's seven key strategic areas in my view of like hundreds of, you know, school leaders that I personally have coached and mentored. What do I see them demonstrate in terms of high performance? And so those seven areas and you could, you could evaluate yourself, but the fun part of the tool, you are candid about where you are now. And then you pick a score in 90 days where you want to be next, right? And then if it would feel supportive, you know, there'll be an opportunity to talk to me, talk about how to bridge some of those gaps in seven of those areas. You know, in terms of, of the best, best support, I know you, you know, coach leaders, we have a, we have a group program called the Ruckus Maker Mastermind. You could go to betterleadersbetterschools.com slash mastermind, read all about it and apply. But it's, you know, it's a community for growth-minded school leaders. And I'll tell you that, you know, it's not uncommon for people to tell me it's the best PD they've ever experienced. And I think it's, you know, one reason we've, we've built it on the foundation of what I call the ABCs of powerful professional development. So we're very intentional about integrating authentic experiences belonging experiences, and then challenge experiences because you have to produce, you have to have results as well. So if you want to taste and check that out, it, you know, I haven't met anybody that has been upset in investing in themselves and joining that community. So yeah, I'd love to have you.
Yeah, so you guys, will, this will also be in the show notes so you can find Danny. And as we, as we close, is there any last thing that you would, any last word, any last thing that you would like to say to our audience? You know, I think just the, this idea of like being, being love in spaces, right? Showing people that you care. Uh, and if you're struggling with that, I'm going to give you a tip. And even if you're great at it, I'm going to give you a tip that might help you be even better. Uh, so seeing your kids as kids is not hard. You already see them that way. But sometimes the most difficult people in the building are the adults, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can imagine your teaching staff as that 10-year-old kid, right, with so much future in front of them and all these hopes, dreams, and aspirations, and, and maybe even see that adult as a 10-year-old on their best day ever, it's going to be really hard to treat them poorly, right? And so that will nudge you just a little bit further, you know, and closer to acting with greater, I think, care and compassion, empathy, and all, all the good stuff. Mm. Thank you, Danny. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And thank you all for listening. Thanks for having me, Lynn.